Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? When are you guys going to learn? The more you indict, the more we unite. Facts. It's Trump 2024. We don't care. You heard me? We already made our mind up. You already know when the hood got your back. Man, they deep in the hood. Gangsters. Talking about Trump 2024, you heard me. Woo woo! Wah! Gangsters! The hood got this man back. I'm just trying to tell you. You heard me? And we ain't we ain't stupid, man. American people, man. We ain't we ain't all them talking about lockdowns and back when the mask and all that. You know, they got a new virus coming and it's gonna be man, nobody don't care. Ain't fooling nobody no more with none of that. You know, new jack, man, nobody. Nobody being fooled no more. We all the way up. You heard me? It's Trump 2024. That's what it's going to be because we ain't having nothing else. From sea to shining sea. Three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back. Hour number three of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Delighted to spend time with you as we wrap up a very busy and disturbing week of news. You know, I I labeled if I have to give a title, and I do because we live stream the show every day. I, I titled today's show, I Miss Mean Tweets and World Peace. Right? Everything that these people have created and blamed Donald Trump for. All the lies, the propaganda, the indictments, the charges, the BS quote-unquote felonies, the laundry list of women, you know, alleging this and all of the filth and scum. You know what we have in this country under Donald Trump? Calm. Calm. I want it back. Don't you? Especially when we're in these crosshairs today. Global jihad. That sounds very scary. And it should. So what does that mean to us? It means we've got to be vigilant. We need to be aware. And it means that we've got John Guandolo, our national security expert, on the line with us. John, I want to welcome you. It's been a hell of a week so far. Yeah, it's been pretty amazing, uh, good and bad. Uh, but I'm uh, obviously this is an opportunity, and uh, as you might imagine, my phone, email, and uh, et cetera has been ringing off the hook. And I've actually I did more uh, interviews Monday and Tuesday than I think I've done in the last uh, you know the month or so prior, um, because people seem to be open that there's, uh, there's some real problems going on. Like, all of a sudden, hey, there are leftists, and I've got air quotes on, on college campuses that uh, support terrorist group Hamas. And there are uh, Black Lives Matter, a Chinese communist group, you know, publicly standing with uh, Hamas. And uh, Islamic groups in the United States are actually standing behind Hamas. And all of a sudden, we're shocked and we're shocked that they would behead 
soldiers and babies and uh, set people on fire by throwing burning tires around them. Like, uh, not sure where the surprise is coming from. This is all stuff uh, we've been briefing for the last 22 years. I, I think that you have an awakening among some Democrats who believe that they were in a kumbaya club of, of activism and, and virtue signaling and do-goodery who find out all of a sudden that people that they've been elbow to elbow without, like, you know, protesting for the struggle actually hate them. Uh, meanwhile, this is right. This is what you've been talking about for for your whole career. <laughs> That's right. And uh, some of that, I think, is legitimate. Like, some people are legitimately Democrats and Republicans alike in leadership positions. Some are actually, their eyes are opening. But you got to be careful, because some people, like Henry Kissinger and others, unless you want to make the argument, for instance, that Henry Kissinger is dumb as a cinder block, which I would not make that argument, uh, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows who Klaus Schwab is. He knows uh, who the jihadis are. He know who the he knows who the communists are, and he's been advancing their car, uh, cause for sixty plus years. Um, so I think for some people, it's this is a facade when they say, "Hey, I'm shocked," you know, all of a sudden. But for for some, you're right. I think they're legitimately realizing this isn't just about quote in the human rights and individual rights. There are actually evil people in the world that want to do evil. And and a lot of them have come, I'm sure, have come across our border, John. Let's talk about where we are now in terms of this this call for global jihad on this very day that we happen to be talking. What, what do you what do you read into that? What do you know about that? Where do you see the, the, the spaces that are the most at risk? What do we do? So the, the term that was used, although it's not the way the media is completely... Uh, um, quoting it, it's a day of rage, and they have called, the Islamic leadership has called for days of rage on multiple occasions. Um, you know, they, they, and they've called for specific people to be killed. Um, and those orders, and they are orders under Islamic law, uh, have meaning. So when you call for a day of rage, like uh, a senior leader currently, Khalid Mashal calls for who was the leader of international Hamas, and some would argue, I would make the argument, still is the driving force behind it, uh, has a significant amount of uh, credibility in the global Islamic community, especially in Europe and the United States, uh, calls for a day of rage. Uh, I would expect things to happen, and now we're seeing already things are happening. There have already been individual acts of jihad. But you will likely see more of that, if not today, uh, in the coming uh, the coming couple days, because this matters. And just so we're clear, they've called for days of rage when soldiers in Afghanistan accidentally burned, uh, you know, Islamic religious materials like a Quran, um, religious materials in quotes, uh, and and they've actually killed people. And they've gone after soldiers, and there's been blue-on-blue attacks. So this, quote, day of rage is a real term of, of a legal term that draws the community out. And I think we'll see that. So what, if you were addressing the, the, the country, and you kind of are, what would you say to be on the lookout for, be vigilant for or of? What, what's your advice? 
Well, I think first of all, like what this the, this series of events, the attacks in Israel, the call for the day of rage, uh, Americans watching um, truly communists on their campus, and we're now seeing, like I was shocked, so uh, I used to teach back in the FBI. A part of the teaching curriculum when I made my first training program was making the students read the Hamas Covenant. And here we are, you know, almost 20 years later, and you've got Laura Ingram and, and Sean Hannity quoting it on, you know, news programs. And that's shocking. But I think when we talk about what can citizens do, what can you be on the lookout for, it's the same answer we've been talking about. Citizens have to understand these networks are in their communities. They're on their local colleges and universities, community college campuses, in some case, public school campuses, that the uh, jihadis and the communists are working together in your community. The, the place where they are working the closest and having the most effect in most local communities in the United States is in the interfaith outreach programs. And so if you look to interfaith outreach in your local community, you will find communists and jihadis working together. And all of the Muslims who are working in those, those organizations, they're all hostile. And so you have to deal with them. And if you're going to say, well, I'm uncomfortable, well, if you're uncomfortable, then when they come to you and start sawing heads off and doing the things we're seeing in Israel, then you're going to be to blame. And I would argue communities are to blame because they've made an affirmative decision. We're just not going to, you know, we don't want to hit the hornet's nest. We don't want to, well, the longer you wait, the bigger, bigger that hornet's nest gets. And eventually they're going to come out of the nest and come after you. And that's where we are. You're seeing the complete culmination of the communist and jihadi networks working together. And you have Iranian networks in places across the country. By the way, including in Pittsburgh, you've got strong Hamas networks in Pittsburgh uh, and all over the country. You've got BLM and Democratic Socialists of America and Antifa working daily in the Pittsburgh area where you are, but also here where I am in Dallas and in uh, Wichita, Kansas, and in Nashville, Tennessee, and Charlotte, and, uh, you know, Tampa, Florida, and in, you know, Pick a city. They're they're there. And obviously, the federal agencies are not only not doing anything, the evidence on the table demonstrates they're helping these people. They're actually aiding and abetting them. And I've written about it. I put it in books. I've done videos about it. And so long as the citizens don't give a crap, this stuff is going to keep fomenting inside the United States and come to your community in greater and greater uh, numbers. And I just, you know, just in the last uh, few days, I got a text from a friend of mine, and and somebody had sent him a picture of a you know Palestinian flag, pro Hamas, um, uh, right there in in the in the Indiana PA area. So it's everywhere. Mm. And if it is it left unaddressed, it's not going to magically go away. These savages have to be crushed 
and they have to, it has to be done in spectacular order. Mm-hmm. And until local communities decide to do it, you're going to get what you deserve. I'm sorry to say it. John, I want to put you on a brief hold, but I'm going to have you think about something. You know, the widely circulated claim that Israel's, quote, apartheid regime is the only one to blame. It seems to be handed out to folks because this is what we're hearing, especially on college campuses. We're going to talk about propaganda. We're going to talk about the danger next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. Let's get back out to national security expert John Guandolo. John, they all told us that this was an intelligence failure in Israel. Yes or no? Well, at, at some level, yes. And let me just say this. I've been to Israel a couple times, and uh, on two occasions met with uh, senior military officers, and then, as you would expect me to do in a place like that, asked a lot of probing questions. And what I found was, uh, in my experience since I've been out of the government and with the Israelis in the government, the guys on the ground, and I would say in some level it's the same here, the guys on the ground doing ground intelligence, handling sources, pulling triggers, have a much better understanding of it than the the senior leadership. In other words, they would argue, for instance, that, uh, you know, Hamas is radicals and and Islam itself isn't the problem. Uh, And so that's part of it. The other part is there there is a has been a strong desire to find a way to appease them and to uh give them things over the years. This has been going on for fifty years, uh where they will appease uh the terrorists, the jihadis, uh thinking that uh that will somehow be okay, that it'll in the end be good for Israel. And this is what you get, you know, you just you you cannot appease these people. They are driven by an ideology which is taught to them from the moment they're born, and it's uh, it's deadly. Right. And this is this is the outcome, and it always is. This isn't the first time, uh, but they think that they can pacify uh, these nation states and these organizations, Hamas, ISIS, Hezbollah, uh, so that they can coexist for periods of time. And I just think you're just kicking the can down right. the road until it explodes in your face. Right. It's like a continuing resolution. You can't do that. I, I want to ask you, how was it different under Donald Trump? Well, uh, I would start by answering the question this way. It's it's always been interesting to me because I went to the inauguration of Ronald Reagan. And I remember in the crowd, people were passing out uh, newly printed newspapers that said the hostages are free. And it's because Ronald Reagan made it very clear that the day he steps into office, he's going to crush Iran if they don't release our, our hostages. And lo and behold, they released him on the on his inauguration day. Uh, when you're dealing with savages, they only understand one thing, and that's brute strength. They that culture follows uh, the strong horse, and by the way, that's supported in in Islamic law. And so, uh, when you lay the hammer down. Uh, which we should have done after 9-11, uh, there, that's actually the defeat mechanism for the jihadis. They have to feel utterly crushed, and then they're required by law to stop fighting. But if they feel uh, and believe they have the resources and the ability to do so, they're required by uh, what they call Allah's divine law to fight the non-Muslim community. So 
it's it's kind of that simple. Donald Trump uh, made it very clear to the world, not just to the jihadis, mm-hmm. that there will be very strong repercussions for the kinds of things we're seeing now. And this administration has made it very clear that uh, we're going to fund the largest nation state of terrorism, Iran. We're going to support terrorists. You know, Joe Biden had a fundraiser from the Hamas group Engage, E-M-G-A-G-E, inside the United States before uh, he was uh, elected. And uh, he promised them, we'll get a lot of you guys in my administration. That's my, my promise to you. So he promised to put Hamas people in his administration. And um, he promised, uh, he took their money. Um, and so, you know, what do you expect? Of course they're going to feel like they can charge into Israel, and the United States might rattle the saber, but they're not, we're not going to do anything. This is all bull crap. This is all talk. I find it interesting, too, in my last 45 seconds with you, these schools, these school groups talking about the apartheid regime is the only one to blame. It's like there was a handout and everybody got it. No, well, first of all, that's a talking point. Uh, and it's, it's clear to understand that if you look at it, because Hamas is an inherent part of the Muslim Brotherhood. So if you look at the Muslim Brotherhood documents, they say they created uh, Hamas uh, for a specific purpose, and they want to make the, quote, Palestinian issue uh, a point of recruiting jihadis, raising money, and actually going on the offensive. So that's what this is all about. And so the Islamic doctrine requires them to obliterate the Jewish population. It requires them to kill the Jews. That's normative, universally taught Islamic law. That's why they're doing it. This idea that they're not educated enough, they're not rich enough, there aren't enough McDonald's in Yemen, all these other excuses, you know, Israel's an apartheid state, that's not the reason. That's just a cover. John, please stay in touch with me. I Perhaps we'll get you back on earlier next week. Uh, we'll see what goes on. Prayers to everybody. These are very, very difficult times, though not unpredicted, as John has told us, to understand the threat in our own communities and take action. Makes sense. All right, don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back, we're going to drop this to you. The Bridgeport, Connecticut election debacle finally goes to court. A bombshell discovery, if you will, next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Anybody out there who still believes that that was the safest, most secure anything ever also probably still believes that it's all safe and effective. Now, I can't I can't fix everybody. I can't, I can't do big work like that, but I can tell you that this is exciting news. Do you remember when we honed in about a month ago on Bridgeport, Connecticut? Now, why would Bridgeport, Connecticut be interesting to us? Well, there was a mayoral race that went on there that was really scummy. And the scummy part of it was the incumbent mayor who served time <laughs> and then was reelected because what, right? Well, the woman in City Hall, one of his right-hand women, was seen on surveillance video at really weird times, like 5 in the morning, 11 o'clock at night, on multiple occasions walking over to, in front of City Hall, the building itself, 
a ballot drop box and (laughs) opening it up and stuffing a bunch of ballots in. This is how brazen people who suck have become because they have gotten away with it for so long. And so they're just sloppy. They don't even care. Yeah, I know that there's a camera watching me, but really, what are you going to do? Bob Menendez. Everybody has gold bars at their house, right? And is ridiculous. You know what? I come from Cuba. My people are from Cuba. We don't trust banks because we don't get banks, right? You get the government telling you how to bank. And then they take your money. And so we squirrel it away in our house. B.S. B.S. Bob. Again, so brazen, so used to getting away with being a dirtbag that they don't even try to make it look good, right? Why don't we try to take that camera down? Or why don't we, you know, wear a mask? Or why don't we turn our back to it? No, she just walked right up, looked around, opened the thing, all right? So this has gone to court, which is huge. You have people pushing back. This is like the first true election fraud case that's being, that's going through the system where it's actually being heard in a realistic way. Carrie Lake had lousy people, a lousy judge, right? Her back was against the wall there. They couldn't expose what happened, but this in Bridgeport, Connecticut is coming out. For the first time, just hours ago, a judge began examining evidence in the legal case to overturn the outcome of the Bridgeport mayoral primary in Connecticut. This investigation comes in the wake of this scandal, which we told you about, that has rocked the state's largest city, where the surveillance footage captured a woman inserting multiple pieces of paper into an absentee ballot drop box just a week before the mayoral primary election. Now, that mayoral candidate, John Gomes' campaign, released a damning video last month showing evidence of the fraud. Right. The video has prompted now an investigation by the Bridgeport Police Department for, quote, possible misconduct. The video on the Gomes campaign Facebook page shows a woman dropping stacks of illegal ballots into an absentee ballot drop box outside the Bridgeport Government Center, where the city's registrar of voters office is located. The Gomes campaign was able to identify the woman in the footage as Wanda Geeter Pataki. She's the vice chairwoman of the Democratic town clerk. And a vocal supporter of incumbent mayor, Joe Gannum, who is seeking re-election. Gomes' campaign claims the video shows Geeter Pataki dropping off stacks of absentee ballots ahead of the September 12th primary. I mean, you see it, right? We, we have rules in this country about ballot harvesting. You turn in your val- ballot, not 30 people's ballots, not phony baloney ballots, not ballots that have been zzz overnight zzz through the machine. Well, what was interesting about yesterday was they had the gal who is apparently in charge of the recording of the vote who's supposed to be looking at all of the ballots. Did you know that you're supposed to have a signature on the back of the envelope? She looks completely confused. What? Yeah, you, there's a ba- you have to have a signature. The signature is supposed to match the signature in your voter roll. Wait, what? She said. This woman had either she was a great actress playing stupid or this woman who's in charge of recording and certifying the election had no idea. What? 
You, you, you guys, you mean to tell me that we have morons out there? Yes, we do. Factual. In charge of things that many of us believe were fiddled with. Not just in 2020, but sure as hell in 2022. These are the idiots who are allowing it to happen. And we have judges on the bench who refuse to hear these cases. Bridgeport, Connecticut, apparently, is not one of them. Hats off to you, friends. We will be following the case and be reporting back to you. It might just be the thread that pulls for some people to wake up. Now you know what time it is. Yes, it's time for my friend, my boyfriend. He doesn't know it, but by golly, I'm claiming him. <laughs> Steve Hartman, he is the uh, the reporter on the road for CBS News. He has done a beautiful story. I want to share it with you because it's when a man steps up to the plate and then fills that plate to serve millions of others. Enjoy. Bon appetito. Enjoy your dinner. Bruno Serrato, owner of the White House restaurant in Anaheim, had a pretty carefree life, hosting and hobnobbing with Orange County's most rich and famous, until his mother Katerina came over to visit from Italy and messed up everything. Ooh, mama. As we first reported a couple years ago, Bruno was on the board of the local Boys and Girls Club, and he just wanted his mom to see the place. The club serves a lot of homeless kids who sometimes go hungry. Bruno told his mom this, and according to club director Mike Baker, that was it. I heard her in Italian, I believe it was Italian, <laughs> grab his arm and say some things to him, and, and, and he just started raising his arms. He goes, Mom, my mom, my mom, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> she basically ordered Bruno to feed the kids that night. All of them. 70 to 80, like, oh my God. <laughs> Bruno says it was a lot of food to just give away. But Mama wouldn't leave the kitchen till he did it. I was actually April 18th, 2005, and it's happened every day since. Are we hungry? Yeah! Although not even Mama expected him to do it more than once. Yes. Bruno has since served about a quarter of a million very nice meals. Here we have some of the poorest children in Anaheim eating from one of the most exclusive restaurants every single night. Bruno says the kids are now by far his favorite customers. You have to see to believe it. Only here do his profiteroles get this kind of reaction. He says it makes all the sacrifice worthwhile. And there has been sacrifice. Bruno has had to refinance his restaurant. And you refinanced your home? I refinanced my house also, yeah. How can you keep feeding these kids? How can I stop? Using that same logic. Why should I not? He now does even more. You want to see the surprise? Since our last visit, Bruno has gone from feeding what do you think? to housing as well. Is it cool? This family from the Boys and Girls Club had been living in a motel. Let's go see! The mom, like a lot of working poor, could never save the first and last month's rent required to get her own place. Which is why Bruno has been holding fundraisers to cover that cost for people. Awesome! Awesome! <laughs> so far, he has made the dream come true for 20 families. And there will be more. In fact, Bruno says he'll continue helping these families right up to the day he goes to heaven. Oh, I know I'm going to go to heaven. <laughs> I know I'm going to go first class, champagne, caviar, one way, non-stop. That's for sure. Just don't book it yet, Bruno. Thank you very much. Steve Hartman on the road 
in Anaheim, California. That's cool, huh? If you think that that can't get better, it gets better because that was like 2005. And you need to hear this story, which was not that long ago. A beautiful next step in this man's journey of giving. Go. I love your hat. I love your hat too. Kids from Boys and Girls Club of Anaheim are Chef Bruno Serrato's special guests as he celebrates a monumental milestone. I start with five, ten children in one location, one city, right here in Anaheim. Today, he's serving his nine millionth meal to underprivileged children. You smile when you see the smile of a kid. Nothing better. Chef Bruno founded Caterina's Club in 2005 after visiting the Boys and Girls Club with his mom, Caterina. She suggested the chef give meals to those in need after learning about low-income families who struggle to put food on the table. We've been doing that every single day for 18 years. Today we celebrated 9 million, which is still overwhelming. Caterina's Club now serves 5,000 meals Monday through Friday across 105 locations in Orange County and Long Beach. Broccoli, carrots. Chef Bruno and his staff prepare the meals every day from his Anaheim White House restaurant, which closes for lunch to make them happen. I have one question. Do you like pasta? He says he's had some of the most important people in the world eat at his restaurant, including presidents and celebrities, but serving kids has brought him the most joy. We give them the opportunity to eat in a restaurant like this, to see the opportunity was for me then, therefore them today. As to Chef Bruno's ultimate goal, well, he says it's making sure that no kid ever goes to sleep hungry. Uh, is that the most? Nine million I think the most amazing thing is he shuts down his restaurant every day when he could make money Yes, to do that. And your federal government wants American citizens stranded in Israel to pay back the government for rescuing them, if they even do. It's just so ridiculous. But I just went to katerinasclub.org. Katerina with a C. It just so happens that their 18th annual gala fundraiser this Sunday. I hope they have a most. I bet they make a ton of money. I hope they have the most wonderful time. Good news, ladies and gentlemen. Gotta have a little bit of it. Do not go anywhere. It is Bad Joke Friday. If you're new to the show, these are not good jokes, but they are fun. They are fun. (laughs) We'll wrap you up with a bow before we send you on your way. Don't go anywhere. Next. Now, I'm keenly aware of the fact that we have new eyes and new ears every single day as we uh, attempt to take over the universe. So this is called Bad Joke Friday, and it is something that uh, it's not intended to be good jokes, right? It's intended to be bad, and you can always send in a bad joke. We will read your joke on Friday as the last segment. WBRbrock at gmail.com. All right, hit it. Ladies and gentlemen, I just flew in from New York and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> welcome to the comedy club. Won't you give it up to Wendy and Brock for <laughs> Bad Joke Friday? Our first joke is always Dr. Richard Rafferty. He's from the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh and he says this In surgery for a heart attack. Ugh. A middle-aged woman has a vision of God at her bedside. 
Will I die? She asks. No, says God. You will have 30 more years to live. Live With 30 more years to look forward to, the woman decides to make the best of things while she's in the hospital. She decides to get breast implants, a tummy tuck, lipo, hair transplants, and collagen injections in her lips. <laughs> I like it already. On the day, she's discharged from the hospital. She looks absolutely amazing. With a swagger in her step, she crosses the street and is immediately hit by an ambulance and is killed. She finds herself in heaven. She sees God, decides to complain. She says, I thought you said I had 30 more years left. That's true, God says. So what happened? I didn't recognize you. <laughs> oh, jeez. You didn't like that. I thought that was good. What do you call a sheep falling off a mountain? Hmm. A wow. lamb slide. Oh, gosh, a lambs. A cable repairman on the street outside my house asked me what time it was. I told him it was between 8 a.m. and 1 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's funny. <laughs> Do you remember when air at the gas station used to be free, yeah. but now it's like a buck 50? Do you know why? No. Inflation. The funeral for the man who invented Tupperware was delayed while they tried to find the right lid for his coffin. Yeah, no kidding. No <laughs> kidding. That's totally true. Yes. I swear dishwashers eat lids like dryers eat socks. Oh, that's not a joke. That's actually you talking. Yeah, that's fact. Oh, okay. Go ahead. What do you call a donkey with three legs? Hmm. A wonky. I shouldn't have eaten all that seafood. I'm now feeling a little eel. Oh, jeez. <laughs> The oldest computer was owned by Adam and Eve. Oh. It was an apple with very limited memory, just one bite, and everything crashed. <laughs> These jokes are getting good. Yeah, stop this it. This is a bad thing. Stop it. When my wife told me to stop impersonating a flamingo, I had to put my foot down. <laughs> stupid. I used to run a dating service for chickens, but I was struggling with making hens meat. Oh, my God. What? What do skeletons eat for dinner? Spare ribs. Why did the skeleton cross the street? He was looking for a body shop. Mm, that's pretty stupid. What does a clam... That, that's more that's of the speed. Bad, yeah. What does a clam wear to the gym? Hmm. A muscle shirt. Having quick reflexes is a great responsibility. Oh, <clears throat> Two guys walk into a bar. Mm. The third guy ducked. What? Guys literally walked into the bar. Yes. The third guy ducked. Okay. Wow. What five-letter word typed in all capital letters can be read the same upside down? This sounds like a riddle. Oh, it's true. Swims. <laughs> I didn't know. Did you seriously <laughs> yes, turn the paper yes, around? Yes, I did. The more you take it, the more you leave behind. What am I? <laughs> Foots, I, footsteps. Okay, I was going right. to say something else. Yeah, I know. Else. That's why I quickly dropped it. I asked my wife if I was the only one she's ever been with. She said, yes, all the others were nine and tens. <laughs> <laughs> How are the movies Titanic and The Sixth Sense alike? I see dead people. I don't get it. I see. I see oh, dead people. Oh, oh. Ouch. After 35 years of marriage, a husband and wife went to see a therapist. When asked about the problem, the wife went in a long tirade listing every problem that she ever had during the marriage. On and on about neglect, lack of intimacy, emptiness, loneliness, feeling unloved, an entire laundry list of unmet needs she had endured. That's not even the funny part. Oh, 
Finally, after allowing for a su- sufficient amount of time, <laughs> the therapist got up, walked around the desk, and asked the wife to stand up. He embraced her, kissed her passionately as her husband watched with raised eyebrows. The woman shut up and quietly sat down. I don't believe that. Sat down as a, though in a daze. The therapist turned to the husband and said, this is, your, this is what your wife needs at least three times a week. Can you do this? He said, well... I can drop her off here Mondays and Wednesdays, but I, I, on Fridays, I go fishing. <laughs> what did Jay-Z call his wife before he got married? Fiance. That's so bad. That is bad. Wow. That's a schmodder. What has more lives than a cat? Mm. A toad. It croaks every day. How do you catch an elephant? All right, so you dig a hole as big as an elephant. You put ashes inside and peas all around the hole. And when the elephant comes to take a pee, you kick him in the ash hole. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. What did the janitor say when he jumped out of the closet? Mm. Supplies. (laughs) What do you call a sleeping bull? Bulldozer. Mm -hmm. Okay, keep going. I'm out. How does a train listen with its engine ear? Oh. I know. That's a bomb. I know, I know. I got thrown out of my local park after arranging squirrels by height. They didn't like me critter sizing. (laughs) (laughs) Rest in peace, boiling water. You will be missed. I know. I know. I've had an appointment to see a psychic, but she called me and told me I can't make it. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, what do you call it when one cow spies on another? A steak out. Oh, yeah, that just happened. We love you guys. Big news to drop on Monday. Make sure you're ready to rock and roll. Have a great weekend, everybody. Peace.